Blog Talk Radio. Well, welcome to Alzheimer Speaks Radio Show. I'm your host, Lori LeBay, founder of Alzheimer Speaks Resource website, blog, and radio. My passion is to educate the world about Alzheimer's disease and memory loss, and that came to me through my mother's 30-year journey with, uh, with the disease. For those of you that are new to the show, I just want to give you a brief introduction about Alzheimer's Speaks Radio. Our goal here is to give voice to those afflicted with memory loss and empower them to live purpose-filled lives. We want to raise awareness, give hope, and share the real, everyday life stories of living with Alzheimer's. Rick Phelps, our channel expert who has the disease, um, is going to uh, join us here today. And Rick is, um, he is the founder of Memory People on Facebook. And Rick was diagnosed with early onset in June of 2010. So welcome aboard, Rick. How are you doing today? I'm doing good, Lord. I'm I appreciate you saying June 2010 because I keep forgetting when I was actually diagnosed. You know, I keep mm-hmm. telling people I had this problem probably five years prior to that. So um, it was June 2010, and I'm looking forward to hearing Alan's update and your other guests. So uh, let's do it. Well, wonderful. We've missed you, so we're, we're glad you're here today. I want to also just let people know that on our homepage you can find links to contact both myself and Rick along with our guests. And so please feel free to do that. And if you um, have a question while we're on on the show, you can either utilize the chat box and um, note a question or a comment there. Or if you call in, the number is 714-364-4757. Again, that's 714-364-4757. 4757 and then just push 1 and you'll get into my queue and I'll know you're there and um we can pull you into the to the show live. We would also appreciate any help you can give us about spreading the word about the show and on our homepage there's links um where you can like us or tweak us tweet us or uh, share the link with a friend, and that really helps um, us get the word out and spread things live because every show here is archived, so if you can't make it live, you can always come back and listen later. So with that, I want to just jump in and welcome our guest today. We have Alan Arnett with us, and Alan's mother was diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease in 2007, and so he jumped into the role of caregiver and he, he gets the path. Um, he understands um, the ups and the downs. He, he truly gets the needs out there. And Alan has become what I call an advocate on steroids for the disease in terms of raising awareness and raising money. He just finished his Seven Summit Climbs, um, which we're going to talk about here in just a bit. So how are you doing, Alan? I'm doing great, Lori. Thanks for having me back. I really appreciate the uh, third time on your show. This is fun. Yeah, well, great. I also, before we get into your questions, I'm just going to briefly introduce Yuta uh, Ludwig, um, who is Ph.D., and she holds her doctorate in management with a specialty in Alzheimer's care, and she's an expert in Alzheimer's and dementia care and communication, and I love that you know, in her bio she put the communication because to me that is just absolutely key. Since 1994, uh, Yuta has worked with the elderly, especially those with Alzheimer's disease and related dementia. She's a speaker, a counselor, an author, 
Um, and her communication and attitude models bring about dramatic changes in the mental status and behavior of a person with Alzheimer's disease. In 2008, Dr. Ludwig opened the Alzheimer's Cafe in Santa Fe, and her goal is for every community to offer a similar respite program for people living with dementia and their caregivers. Um, she also wrote the book, um, Alzheimer's A to Z with John D. Becker, which is a reference guide. So how are you doing today, Yuda? I'm just fine, Laurie. I'm a little on the cold side. The temperature outside right now is 4 degrees. Oh, yeah, you're, you're about as chilly as we are here in Minnesota. It's it's chilly, too. So what we're going to do with the show is we're going to um, start out with Alan here. And uh, so he has to hop on the road. So we want to get an update from you, Alan. And if you can start out with telling us about the overall campaign, the seven summits, what was that all about? Well, Lori, um, as I've said before on the show, uh, before all your new listeners, and hopefully there's a lot of them, um, and I encourage everybody to stay on the show throughout the entire the entire time because lots of great information that you always bring forward for caregivers and, and the entire community. Um, you know, my mom, as you mentioned earlier, uh, she started showing early signs of Alzheimer's in her, uh, in her early 70s, which was uh, quite uh, a shock to our family. And I'm like a lot of people, I think, that I didn't know a lot about the disease. And, you know, one thing led to another, and uh, she began to get – she got diagnosed. And um, about the same time, my father passed away. And so I decided to take early retirement from a 30-year career in, in, uh, in uh, technology, working for, uh, for HP, to oversee the last three years of my mom's life. And as I went through that journey with her, um, you know, it was, I was just I was, um, I was shocked. Uh, it was just beyond words what I, what I saw my mom going through. But also um, I began to educate myself and learn more about the disease, and, and I began to understand that it is a disease. It's not just simply normal aging, as a lot of people may confuse um, Alzheimer's with. And obviously it can hit people in their uh, all throughout life, in their early onset, young onset, I think as it's called now, in their 50s. But I was shaken to the point where I said, you know what, I've got to do something about this. So I decided to combine uh, my passion of climbing big mountains with uh, trying to raise awareness and, and fundraising on behalf of, uh, of Alzheimer's organizations. And that led me to setting a really big goal, and that was to climb the highest mountain on each one of the seven continents in under a year. And about this time last year, I was down in Antarctica starting this, uh, this last uh, 11 months. Wow, that is fantastic! I, I, um, I can't believe you finished it. It seemed like it time just flew, and <laughs> and um, and I know these exposi expositions, um, you know, took so much time just to pull together and coordinate and and so forth. Um, it was just, it just amazes me that you're done already. And now, when did you actually start to finish? Was it a year or was it less than a year? Yeah, it was actually about 11 months. Um, so let me give you some numbers. I call it the seven summits by the numbers. Um, okay. That I, I started in uh, in November of 2010, and I finished up in um, uh, late October of 2011. So it was right at 11 months. But listen to these numbers, Lori. It's crazy. It was, I was on 18 different airlines, 58 flights, 116,000 miles I flew, um, I spent 201 nights away from home. 
uh, and I, this is my favorite one, I crossed 120 time zones to climb um, eight mountains on the seven continents. But here's the number that I'm most proud of, that I was able to, through the climbing, uh, reach 29 million people with a message of hope, need, and urgency about Alzheimer's. And that's reaching wow. 29 million people. That's what it was all about. Wow, that is impressive. Well, kudos for you. Kudos. That is that's absolutely fantastic. Can you tell us some of the most memorable moments um, during your climbs? You know, boy, that, that's a that's a <laughs> that's a hard question. With you know, with all the various climbs, clearly standing on the summit of Mount Everest uh, on May 21st at uh, 5.30 a.m. in a 20 degrees below zero and a 40-mile-an-hour wind, uh, just overlooking the, the highest mountains on the planet. You know, that one, um, that was a, a defining moment um, in many, many ways. I had, tr- I had been on Everest uh, three previous times, and, and I had not summited. I refuse to call them failures. <laughs> but uh, I had not summited because of weather or, you know, my own uh, personal weaknesses and things like that. As I like to say, there's a thousand reasons to turn around, but only one to keep going, and I think that applies in life. And I found the one to keep going, and that was the uh, the memory of my mom and my two aunts who had died from Alzheimer's and, and this cause. So being able to pull out my satellite phone on the uh, summit of Mount Everest and to dedicate that summit uh, through a voice dispatch, um, uh, you know, I hung up that phone, Lori, and I just um, – just kind of looked out over over the plains of Tibet, and I could see the sun rising. I could see the curvature of the earth, um, and I just pulled my down hood up over my head and uh, just kind of just 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 basically had a moment. Um, it uh, it all came rushing to me the uh, the impact of the of the summit, and you know, for me, uh, all these climbs, it was not about the climb; it was about the cause, and um, just. All the people that I met throughout all of these climbs, another defining moment was uh, my first one uh, down in Antarctica. I got to the summit of Mount Vimson and overlooked just the endless ice and snow on that continent of Antarctica. And, you know, I thought about there uh, the uh, the early onset. I have a friend, uh, she's 52 years old, who had just had been diagnosed with early onset um, just a, a few weeks before I left, and I dedicated that summit to early onset. Uh, you know, it just it just every summit has a had a meaning way beyond the climb. But uh, that said, the, the climbs were pretty special as well. Well, it sounds uh, it sounds like an amazing, amazing journey. And I had to chuckle when you were describing standing on top of Mount Everest because you know a couple of us were whining, you know, in the back room about it being cold. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we know nothing compared to to what you experienced in your climbs. I was just amazed. For those listeners who have not visited Alan's website, you have to do it. The pictures, the video, the audio is spectacular, and it's it just amazed me what you were able to communicate on your journey. Um, and what you went through. So, Alan, what's the best um, website for them to go to um, to be able to really see what all your journey was about? Well, there's a, uh, there's a couple of ways. The simplest one is to go to our uh, main campaign website, which is climb4ad.com, the number four. 
And on there, you'll see links to our Facebook page and to uh, my Twitter account, as well as to my own personal website, alanarnett.com. And that's where I posted all of the dispatches, the pictures, and the videos. Those are also on the Facebook page as well, uh, which is the same thing, Climb for AD. But if anybody, just you know, the, the simplest way is climbforad.com, and that takes you to every place else, or my website, alanarnett.com. There's also um, there's some buttons on there called Support Allen, which really should be Donate for Alzheimer's, and uh, that takes you to links that allows you people still to make donations directly to our three nonprofit uh, partners, the Alzheimer's Association, the uh, National Family Caregivers Association, and the Cure Alzheimer's Fund. So all the money that donates that gets donated goes directly to those nonprofits, and um, obviously nothing ever to me. Wonderful. Now, I know um, you've got some thoughts about early diagnosis and, and how that may have been able to, to benefit not only your mother but you. Do you want to share that a little bit um, with our audience? Yeah, you know, um, I, I like to say that if I had known now what I knew then, I might have made some different decisions. Our family might have made some different decisions uh, for, for uh, caring for my mom. Um, you know, it, it, uh, things like uh, doing financial planning, it devastated my, my parents' finances, uh, caring for my mom. Uh, she was approved for Medicaid two days after she died. Uh, so mm-hmm. understanding the whole maze of insurance. Also uh, doing some, some planning to provide uh, better in-home care as uh, her and my dad were struggling with the early stages of it. I think that if we had known exactly what was happening, that we would have taken advantage of community resources that were available. Um, you know, and just uh, just understanding, better, better educating ourselves on the disease. You know, I clearly remember being home one Christmas, and, and this time of year is always, um, it, it's um it touches me beyond the season. It's just the, the, the memories of going home. Because, you know, I lived in Colorado, and my parents lived in Tennessee. And, and like most people, you know, these days you're spread all over the country. My brother lived on the West Coast. And we see, our, we see each other maybe once, maybe twice a year. And just you go home, and all of a sudden you go, wow, something's not right. And uh, the early years it was, well, it's just normal aging. But then you know, it began to be, no, this is not normal aging. There's something else going on here. So I think if I would have better understood the 10 warning signs of, of Alzheimer's, and the Alzheimer's Association has a great uh, link on their site showing those early, uh, those 10 uh, early warning signs, if I would have known those, that would have been a, a very good uh, clue to me and my brother as to what we could have done differently in those early years uh, in terms of you know, taking care of my mom and, and all the things I talked about earlier. So you know, being informed, education, talking about end of life, living wills, um, you know, it's uncomfortable talking about the end of life. No one wants to talk about that, especially over the holidays. But it's critical, and if you go home and you see one of your loved ones, an aunt or an uncle, a mom, a dad, a grandparent, and you start to see those, some of those 10 early warning signs, you know what, it's time to have those candid conversations. And it's uncomfortable, but it's something that needs to be done. I, I totally agree, and there's so much fear wrapped around it. And what people don't realize is by addressing it, you regain control, you know, or as exactly. much as you can with this um, versus just letting things go rampant. And, and that is just such a critical point. It, it's smart living. 
You know, if it was a business, you wouldn't ignore it. But yet, in our personal life, we tend to, you know, just go, that's not comfortable. You know, we'll pass on that one. And it's and it, it just makes things much more difficult down the line. Now, what's what's next for you in, in 2012? What are you going to be up to? How are you going to top this one? <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. I'm not sure I can top this one. Uh, you know, I, I'm not quite sure, but I, I think it's somewhere like only 10 people have ever uh, done this crazy thing that I just got through doing. Um, and for a good reason. <laughs> but uh, what I'm going to do is that I've got, you know, Lord, I took something like, I don't know, 5,000 pictures. I mean, it's an incredible number of pictures and videos. So I put those together in a presentation um, that uh, that I'm trying to do uh, to continue raising awareness. In fact, I'm in uh, Vail, Colorado right now, where, by the way, it's 13 degrees below zero, so I got all you guys popped up there in Minnesota. <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. I guess so. <laughs> but I'm gonna. Uh, we what we want to do is that um, uh, we want to take this uh, this uh, program on the road, and we're talking about doing a seven cities tour. Uh, the uh, Alzheimer's Immunotherapy Program of uh, of Janssen AI and Pfizer. Uh, they help fund and and uh, they're helping to coordinate all of this uh, activity um, um, on my behalf. And so we're going to put together this program next year in 2012 and hopefully take this show on the road and uh, and show people some pictures of mountain climbing and talk about crossing crevasses on ladders and I'm going to show some pictures of my mom. I'm going to talk about uh, our story and I'm going to introduce everybody to Ida Arnett and what a wonderful woman she was and how she inspired me to to take this journey and, and try to make a difference in this world. Well, that's great. That's great. I look forward to hopefully having you back on the show when you're in full swing with that and keeping us posted on where you'll be speaking and, and how people can, can uh, maybe come and listen to you and hear your story and see the, the photos are just absolutely incredible. Um, what can people do today to help support you um, in the future here? You know, the best thing to people, there's two things, Lori, very specific things. Number one, you know what? People can make my day by becoming informed and taking, as you said so well a minute ago, taking control and living an active life uh, and understanding these ten warning signs. That will make me more happy than any summit ever has in my life. Second thing, mm-hmm. more tangibly, is to go ahead and make a donation to one of those three nonprofits. And, you know, I know I know times are tough. And I know raising money is very difficult, especially this time of year, but any amount helps. Go to one of those three nonprofits, whichever one speaks to you. Um, you know, go ahead and make a donation and just click the box where it acknowledges our, our Seven Summits Memories or Everything uh, campaign. That will help us keep track of the difference that we're making out there. Well, wonderful. Do you want to give people that website one more time, Alan? Climb for the number four ad dot com. Okay. Well, listen. You have a wonderful day, and thank you so much for coming back on the show. It's always just a joy to joy to have you here, and um, hopefully we will talk very soon. Okay. Thanks so much, Lori. Uh, next, thank you. Um, next again, we're going to roll into our um, special guest, Yuta uh, Ludwig, again, who is an expert on Alzheimer's disease and dementia care and communication. And I won't roll into the whole uh, intro again here, but she is just a fascinating individual and has been in the industry a long time and has some very 
unique perspective. So welcome, um, Yuna. How are you doing? I'm doing just fine, Lori. That was very interesting listening to Alan's uh, Alan's adventures. My God, <laughs> I thought I was doing something, huh? I know he's he's pretty incredible. It's very fun always yeah. to have Alan yeah. on the show and and hear what he's doing. But um, this morning I want to talk to you and um, you know and have a discussion between you and I and and Rick Phelps who is also on the program with us and hopefully our listeners will join in to talking about support groups. What is a support group and why are they important? Um, and so why don't we go ahead and start out with. Um, I'd like you to give us your philosophy on why we need Alzheimer's in memory cafes. And, and maybe you can explain to people, you know, what they look like in your mind. Okay, let me let me start at the, at the end of that and explain what they look like. Uh, to me, they are just a, uh, a very comfortable, warm, welcoming venue that offers people a place to just be together. Uh, talk if they want to, make music if they want to, uh, whatever they want to do, uh, and to relax more than anything. Uh, but, um, I mean, it is a support group of a sort, obviously, because people are connecting with each other and making friends. But what I found with these diseases is that the life for people, especially those living at home with with caregivers, family caregivers, uh, is very isolating and most of the contact with the outside is, uh, for the majority, is negative. It's, uh, you know, doctor's visits, or not not negative, but but not, it's, they're serious. Like, you know, most of the excursions are serious. You either go shopping or you go to the doctor or the dentist or whatever, medical things. And other than that, you, the two of you, you and your caregiver, are, you're stuck at home. Uh, some people are fortunate enough that they actually have uh, companions that, who really understand the disease and can get them out, but the majority don't have that. So the, the cafe is a place for them to come together with their with their caregivers because the caregivers are also stuck. Everybody's stuck, uh, you know, in this situation, and uh, it gives everyone a chance to relax and share something that's really positive. Yeah, so I, I, kind I of, yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to say I I agree with that. I I think so much of the time the word even support group just scares people off because they don't want um so many don't want or don't need um a structured program per se. They just want to connect with people again. They want to feel like they belong and that they have purpose and um, I am so thankful to Norms McNamara, who um, was the one who introduced me to the Memory Cafe that I that I brought over um, in Roseville here in in Minnesota, because people are so appreciative of it. Uh, it it's been an incredible journey, just kind of watching us grow and seeing seeing what happens. What's Tell us a little bit. I know you are like me and have a, a firm belief about living in the moment. Can you explain to people what you mean by that and how do you accomplish that um, with your okay. Alzheimer's Cafe? Well, it, it, not just for Alzheimer's Cafe, but in general, and this is part of the work that I do, and it has to do with communication more than anything. Um, the thing about the disease, of course, is that people lose their short-term memory and eventually they lose a lot more memory going back into childhood uh, 
practically. And um, we as families and caregivers uh, need to, in order for us to be really effective and and coexist in a peaceful and positive way, we need to understand that it's okay to have lost your short-term memory. You can still connect. You can still enjoy yourselves. And as long as you as caregiver and family learn to not push the buttons that keep, how can I put this? I would keep reminding a person that they have a problem. Because very often what happens is, yeah, yeah they have a problem with the, with the memory, but there's still a whole lot of person there aside from the memory problem. And when we can learn to be in the moment with with our uh, care receivers and just go into that space and pull out the stuff, all their abilities that are still perfectly intact, uh, you know, and communicate around the memory problem, mm-hmm. we can have a wonderful time. And we can avoid a lot of the problems that people think automatically are associated with these diseases like aggression, agitation, etc. Because those, in my experience, usually come about because of bad communication. And, oh, I totally uh, agree. Right? I, I totally agree. And most of the time we're the cause of it, and but we're so used to projecting that it's got to be somebody else's fault. And so we look for the blame instead of looking at, you know, kind of doing that environmental checklist of how are, you know, what's changed and why are they uncomfortable? Um, because we all react the same way if we have dementia or not. You know, we, we use the same equation. Um, but we, for whatever reason, feel like when someone's ill that it's different. And uh, it, it's just really it's too, it's too bad, but it, there's really a great need, I think, for us to slow down and take our own personal inventory of, you know, what's our attitude? How are we coming off? And, you know, how is that affecting um, the situation at large from tone of voice to, you know, it could be a perfume or something you have on to uh, your nonverbals. Yes, I'm happy, you know, but you can tell in the voice they're not or their stance or whatever. They pick up on all that stuff just like the rest of us do. And we we tend to just get, I think, so busy with our tasks that we just we don't pay attention. Plus, we don't train we don't train our children, you know. And as we raise them, that that is important. You know how how much power our nonverbals really have. It's it's more flap the lips and do the lip service thing that we're focused on and get on to the next next moment. So I. I love how you're so connected to the communication variables. Can you tell us um, what made you decide to open up an Alzheimer's cafe, you know, and and how did that come about? Well, I've been writing, uh, as you said earlier, you know, I've, I've written a couple of books, and I'm I'm constantly writing, I'm constantly researching. So, so of course, I'm Googling all the time, and this one day, Back in, uh, it was in, in 2007, I'm Googling, and one of the items at the bottom of the page was the Alzheimer's Cafe. And I have to tell you, I just went, oh, damn, why didn't I think of that? Because I knew instantly exactly what that meant, and it was so perfect. Because there's been nothing like it for for that community. And... 
to, and but it took me it took me about six months actually to pull everything together to find the right place. I uh, I went back online, researched, found the the uh, you know all the information on the original cafes in in Holland, and the ones that are they all over. By the way, we we are mm-hmm. really behind in this country. We're very slow. I agree. You know, we and, and we have this perception that we're leading. And we're, we're not. Yeah, we're not. Right, we're not. Yeah. Uh, they like they're all over Europe and probably other countries too. But I just don't speak Japanese. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, I, I, I when I checked out the the history of it, uh, Dr. Meeson, who was the one who started the very first cafe for the for the very same reasons that that we outlined a little while ago to. Mm-hmm. to offer a place where people could relax and connect and just socialize. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And he actually felt, in some of his writings, he felt it was really important that that the, the communication about Alzheimer's and dementia were up front, get them out of the closet, get rid of the stigma. Mm-hmm. You know, which is why I chose to, to call mine Alzheimer's Cafe rather than Memory Cafe. And in England, it's about half and half as far as I can mm-hmm. tell, you know. Mm-hmm. And it has really, that I think has really worked. Uh, we, a lot of our guests uh, who may be listening in right now, by the way, so hi, Sandra, and hi, Suki, <laughs> and, and hi, Stuart. Um, anyway, a lot of our guests have the disease and are very comfortable at worry. I mean, even before we started, we were so lucky to have them involved. Uh, we're very comfortable with their disease, and it has helped other people, because unfortunately it still is uh, in the closet much of the time, and people are really still embarrassed about having a problem. And we as well, a society are recognizing that it is a disease. And, and don't you think part of, to me, part of the problem, and, and to me this is a huge, huge problem that, that I would like to you know, fend off and change and, and shift our care culture. But I am so tired of people being driven by fear um, with this disease. You know, it's a disease like any other disease, and we have to learn to live with it. We don't have to like it. We don't have to love it. But we do have to realize it's here and it's not going away. So we we can't be losing our, our relationships over a disease. Our, our relationships and our connections are so much deeper. And uh, so I, I think we really have to learn how to, you know, have love and compassion and understanding for living with the disease because this is a disease not that just affects the person diagnosed but everybody surrounding that person, everyone attached to that person um, is affected by this disease on a much more, I think, major level than any other disease I've ever seen. And um, and so we have to learn to work together and we've got to remove the fear because there are still fantastic um, moments and memories to be had. Um, Rick, I'm going to pull you in. Are you are you there? Yes, I am. Okay. Um, I want to just kind of pull Rick into this conversation here too. I know you had noted in the chat room you wish you had a memory cafe in your area. And uh, I had written back, you know, that I think they will be growing the more we talk about them. Um, have you approached 
anybody in your area at all regarding the Memory Cafe or? Well, I, I have, Lori, but uh, we live in such a small community. You know, we're talking like 12,000 people in the county, I believe, or something like that. Okay. But that's, that's certainly on my agenda. Uh, what I can tell you, as you well know, uh, memory people, um, I look at that as a memory cafe, but cyber, if you will, you know, the Internet, mm-hmm. social networking, which is huge. But uh, I agree with your guest. Uh, the memory cafes, people... The more you talk about this disease, uh, the better you are. I know um, you, you, you spoke earlier about being fearful of this disease. Well, I don't want to burst anybody's bubble, but I'm scared to death <laughs> But mm-hmm. as a patient because I don't yep. know my future. I just don't know. I don't know if I have six months or six years to communicate the way I can now. I, I've made peace with this disease. I've talked to, to you about that before, and when I say that, you know, denial is a big, uh, big issue with this disease. But I've accepted it. And when you, when I say accepted it, it doesn't mean that uh, that I've given up. It just means that I've accepted the hand that was dealt to me. And, and like I've said many times before, instead of crawling up on a couch with an Afghan watching soap operas, I decided to fight this thing the best I can, and, and while I still can. So. Uh, Everything that you and, and your guest and, and of course Alan, you know, like you said, he's a he's a caregiver or an advocate on steroids. Um, um, it's just it's just amazing. Uh, I think we started this show back in April, and and it's just it's been a blessing for uh, for me just to get the information from from your guests that you have now and 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 our recent guests we've had before. Yeah, and I think it's important too that. You know, the the memory cafes, the Alzheimer's cafes, you know, are a physical group that you can partake in. Um, Rick's group is a support group on Facebook where if you, you know, you can't physically get out, but it also allows you the opportunity to to connect with people all over the world 24-7. And so, you know, your group is really about communication and um, making friendships and you know, learning what's working and not working in a non-commercial setting from people really in the trenches. And the, the other thing that I think has been fun with Rick's group on, on memory people on Facebook is it's grown and it's it's constantly ebbing and flowing. So they have a prayer chain. They have, um, you know, they have a recipe swap. They have a place for teens to go. They have their um, game night, you know, so they're really – are connecting on so many levels. They've got a resource uh, a resource group, all these subgroups. And this group is different because it also, like the physical groups, allows the privacy and the confidentiality. So people can communicate without it being splashed all over the rest of their Facebook world because it's a closed group. And there isn't any pitching or selling that goes on like in the physical groups that you you attend. It really is all coming from the heart and developing the relationships. Would you say that that's accurate, Yuda? Yes. I I, I absolutely agree, yeah. And I want to ask you, Rick, where are you? Um, I'm in uh, Ohio. We're about uh, 70 miles east of Columbus, the uh, Buckeye State. Okay. Uh, we have, I, uh, you know, Lori, that uh, the, the Alzheimer's cafes have been growing like crazy this year. We, we have, I mm-hmm. think, 
ten that just that opened up since uh, since April. Great. And so, yeah, so we could, we got to figure out a way to do this, Rick. It's so simple. It's, it's well, so like simple. I said, I've, I've attempted it here locally, but we have such a small community. Uh, my wife and I go to what they call an Alzheimer's support caregivers group, and uh, I was invited there as a patient, and, and it helps uh, the the people there that are caregivers to bounce questions off of me. But there's some nights that I don't go because of the topic, and, and I'm afraid that they won't um, discuss some things that need to be discussed just because I'm there. But uh, I think the support group is, is similar to the uh, Memory Cafe, but uh, mm. you're exactly right. Um, it, it's just going to take a little time and more education. Mm-hmm. And I, I also I run a support group. I've, I've, I've had one now for nine years. And I I go out of my way to separate the two because it's important to me that the cafe is not a support group in that sense, that people are connecting in spite of the disease, actually, even if they may discuss the disease, but it's going to be on a different level when 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 you're dealing with a support group as such, you are focused on the disease. That's what the support group is all about, and the caregiving of somebody with a disease. Um, and it, that's really important, but that's also why I decided to separate the two, because I felt the need, great need, you know, just for the socialization and relaxation and fun. I I totally agree with that, because... Um, and I think that's one of the nice things, um, Rick, with your group is people, you know, they they talk about the disease, but it's all about how to how to survive and live with it. It's not about becoming it. And and there's a huge there's a huge difference. It's not it isn't all educational because you know there is no right or wrong. I, and, and this is my personal belief is that it takes all of our voices to help everybody in the trenches because this disease is like no other. It doesn't have a standard pattern or regime. It it all ebbs and flows depending on on the person and their mood and the people around them and their moods and how they're communicating and what's going on and the amount of, of stimulus. And so what works one second might not work five seconds later, you know. And so we just need to be able to communicate with one another and, again, feel that sense of purpose and, and be able to talk openly and honestly about what works and what doesn't work. And in that, you know, we're kind of just developing a new group of peers because of common interest. Now, it's not a common interest. Any of us would say, hey, sign me up for that one. Um, and uh, But it is a common interest and a common goal that pretty much everybody dealing with this disease has. And so the, the level of the support, I think, is um, maybe the best way to say it is in the memory cafes and the Alzheimer's cafes and in what I see in your group on memory people, Rick, is that it's not a clinical approach. Oh, no, it's, it's, it's not, not at all. Um, we, we, uh, we, we tend to stay away from the clinical part of it. We don't, uh, we don't talk about cures and we don't talk about false hope. Um, I, I believe in time and, and days to come or years rather there will be a, 
a cure for Alzheimer's, but I'm also a realist, and I, I personally don't believe it's going to be in my lifetime. Now, I hope it is, of course, but I mm-hmm. deal in reality, and that's my reality. That's my personal reality. If, if someone thinks there's going to be a cure next week, that's fine, or 10 years from now, that's great. Um, I've been to many, many neurologists, and I'm telling you, as a patient, I know more about this disease than any one of them I've talked to because they, it's not, they just don't have a handle on it. They just don't know yet, and, and it's going to take time, money, and research. And, of course, you know I've been to Washington, D.C., and clouded them, the senators and congressmen. They just look at you like a deer in the headlights. So it, it's a struggle here in the States. I, I, I'm sure it is all over the world, though. Mm-hmm. Now, now, Yuda, when I said, you know, I, I see these as not having a clinical approach, you might um, not agree with that because you're a doctor and so you probably come from a more clinical standpoint. But I guess from, a, you know, a street-level perspective, that's how I see the difference um, in that versus maybe a group through the Alzheimer's Association, um, et cetera. What, what are your thoughts on that? Well, actually, I'm not a clinical doctor. I'm a medical doctor. Uh, I'm a, uh, it's a PhD, so it's doctor of philosophy. Mm-hmm. And my philosophy, my philosophy is really that we, at this point, we should do the research. Obviously, you know, there's no question about that. But we are too focused on the medical end, and we're too focused on the research, and we're too focused on the cure, and mm-hmm. uh, or prevention or whatever. And the truth is. Uh, I suspect that this is much more like diabetes. Mm-hmm. In other words, you can minimize, you can learn to live with it, but I, I have a feeling that we may not find a cure as such. Mm-hmm. We can oh, find ways to minimize it. Yeah, I and and it, it actually has helped me once I sort of accepted that, um, because like Rick said, the reality is that even if we found something today that really worked, truly mm-hmm. worked. It first of all would have to go through testing for what ten years, and <laughs> then after that it would be years before it really took effect out in the in the general public. So you're you're looking at a quarter of a century, minimal. Yeah. Well, and I, you know. and I like that that you're you're talking. You know what we need is a management regime, like with diabetes, it's your your food intake, and you have to be able to manage that. I think with Alzheimer's, you know it. It, it probably isn't primarily the food, but it's more environmental things that can be changed from um, anything from lighting and temperature to how how people are connecting and approaching with one another to, I mean, it, it, the, the list is endless, actually, on what can trigger any of us at any time. I mean... I know how many how many listeners here have ever listened to a song driving in the car and all of a sudden their their eyes well up with tears. I mean, it's things like that we have to pay attention to that can cause triggers that we push to the side and we overlook to be able to better manage and, and keep people peaceful and calm. I I know with my mom, um, she has just really taught me to look for the little things. It's really the little stuff that that matters, not the not the big stuff that I used to focus on at all. So um, the other thing I wanted to to kind of backtrack on when I was talking about removing the fear, and Rick, you know, you had said that you you live with that fear, and and I totally understand that, and by no means um, do I want to 
put that away. I, but I do think that we have to learn how to live with it in a positive light so that we can move through it. I think that, uh, you know, all emotions are good emotions. It's just how we react to them. But I, what I see with some of the campaigns that have gone on in the past is that the fear really crushes people and it takes away their hope. And um, you, Rick, um, are just a prime example of keeping that hope going just by, you know, what you've created with memory people. Um, that's just an amazing, amazing thing. And you're you're leading by example and giving others who are diagnosed with this disease, you and Dr. Richard Taylor and Norms McNamara, you know, I mean, you're showing people there is life with this disease. And when you probably think about it, it again, it's not something that any of us would choose. But when you look at the impact that you're having on the world and the connections that you've made and the difference, um, it's astonishing. Um, and in that, you know, as sad as the disease is, it's been a gift, maybe not so much to you, but to so many others. That's how you I know, Lord, uh, go, mm-hmm. go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I'm Go ahead, Rick. Well, I was just going to say that I couldn't agree with your guest more, that we need to deal with the here and now, not what might come down the pike, like she said, a quarter of a century from now. And, and when I say, uh, Laura, I deal with the fear or I have fear, it's not actually fear of dying or fear of this disease. It's the fear of not remembering. That just drives me crazy. I, I You know, I have the short-term memory. It's It's all but gone. I, I can't remember anything about yesterday unless somebody reminds me, let alone three days ago. And and I, I describe it as a fear because I, I think that's what it is, but it's just the unknown. I, I don't, you know, I can't plan anything for tomorrow because I will never remember uh, what I plan to do. It's just, it, it's a crazy thing to deal with. And a lot of people that are ignorant of this disease, and I don't mean they're ignorant, they're just ignorant of the disease, they'll tell me, they'll say, well, Rick, just get away from it. Well, you can't get away from it. It's your brain. You know, and to get away from it, I tell people I have to cut my head off. And, and it's, that's kind of of a, of a amusing thing, but, but it's true. You can't. It's with me and it's with other patients 24-7. And when it affects me, it affects my entire family, my friends, just like everybody else that has this disease. And, and But I, I totally agree. We need to deal with the here and now. Uh, not what might come down the pike, like I said, a quarter of a century from now. Yeah. Can you tell us, can you kind of describe what it's like to attend the Memory Cafe and how often you get together, or uh, an Alzheimer's Cafe, I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, right? Well, they are it's interchangeable in my together. mind. I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I know. In Santa Fe, we have our cafe. We were so lucky. Uh, we are in a space at the Santa Fe Children's Museum, and it's such a cheerful and warm and wonderful place. And and there's nothing like little, the squeals of little kids in the in the background now and then, you know. Uh, so anyway, we get together once a month for two hours in the afternoon, and uh, and we we usually, I mean, we very quickly would do like short brief introductions especially for new people and uh then from there on we kind of go with the flow sometimes we start with uh with a an acapella sing along for a few minutes until people sort of get warmed up and bonded 
and then we chat and then we eat some snacks and people f- I found out by the way when I first started this I started with a huge buffet I went to Sam's Club and bought $115 worth of food thinking that people would you know that's what people usually do is eat right and I found I had ended up hauling most of it away again because everybody was so busy just connecting and talking to each other. So we'll do that. Uh, a couple of our people have been uh, working on their music, and this has been just wonderful. Uh, one of our guests who's been coming for for, for a couple of years now uh, used to play guitar when she was younger, and she hadn't done it in a long time, but her companion caregiver is a musician and between the two of them they have gotten her back to playing her guitar again and actually i'm featuring them on my website um because it's just getting better and better we have wonderful entertainment um but it's important by the way that it came from within the group uh i did try bringing in a uh, uh we had a marimba band for our for our grand opening and again for our birthday party our, mm-hmm. our third birthday party recently, and that's great. It's wonderful music and it's really fun and upbeat. But it's not. It doesn't come out of the cafe itself. And I found that that was really important. That it came from within. Um, mm-hmm. We sometimes we make art. Uh, we've been doing collages because practically it was the only thing we could do that didn't mess up the space too much. Uh, now we're moving into a bigger space that has uh, facilities so we can actually engage in painting and and pottery and such. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. And and but I, it goes with the flow. And I come prepared like the back of my car on, on cafe days is is a disaster area with stuff <laughs> just in case you know songbooks and and. Uh, Art magazines for collages and and all kinds of other other stuff, you know, uh, joke books, whatever. So that I have well, now, some tools at hand. Okay, so how do you fund your your cafe then? Well, it's we're fortunate enough that the the Children's Museum only charges us twenty five dollars a month in rent when we can pay it, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like I said, people, really, they're not into eating, so the, the my budget for snacks has been like between 15 and $20 a month, and that's it. And so okay. I asked for a donation of $5, uh, not required, but, you know, most people help out, and that's it. And I'm glad because I hate fundraising. Mm-hmm. I absolutely hate it. <laughs> you know, well, I, I don't want to write for grants. I've tried to find somebody who will do it for me. <laughs> so, uh-huh. actually, seriously, I am trying to find somebody to help out writing grants so I can actually expand this. Uh, I want to help people open cafes everywhere. Yeah, what, what we've done just, in just, just, I, I mean, Until you try it, as you know, uh, Lori, I mean, it is so simple and it's so powerful. It, it really is, you know, because when I when I got the information um, from Norms and, and talked with, you know, David Light over there in the UK, you know, they they sent everything over and they've got theirs very very structured. But the first thing David said out of his lips is, you know, what it, people don't necessarily need everything we thought they did or want everything. He said, so be really flexible 
in terms of what you're creating. And so I I very much kept that in mind when we opened up ours um, in Minnesota because, um, you know, I approached a couple of businesses, the Alzheimer's Research Center, um, the Center for Dementia and Alzheimer's um, Care with health partners, and then um, who is our kind of our primary um, founding member is um, ACR um, Home Health Care, and, and they, they have home health care. They have, um, oh, I think, 52 group homes. Um, they're just an, an amazing, amazing company. And Jim Nelson, the owner, um, owns a strip mall where all his businesses are, and so they actually have a cafe. And we and it's absolutely gorgeous. And so he allows us to meet there twice a month. And we have no budget. You know, every, everyone's just kind of chipping in with with time and stuff. And Jim, I guess if if anybody's been funding stuff more so, it's probably been uh, ACR Healthcare Group. Um, but we have found too. You know, we get a pie or two, um, but it's just real simple. And you know, coffee and ice water and um, just have a little bit of a snack, and then we just go with the flow. I had um, five people, five new people show up a couple of weeks ago, and they were so thankful for the group. They said, we didn't know this existed. This has just been so fun. And they just about had me in tears because they they couldn't believe um, how comfortable they felt. And we we didn't do anything special. We sat around and everybody introduced themselves, and we just started having a normal conversation and getting to to know one another. And sometimes we we bowl, and sometimes the other day we played Chinese checkers, or we might play Yahtzee. Um, we've got one um, one uh, set of people that has gone down to um, I want to say Florida for the winter, and so we're even thinking about pulling them in by Skype because they said, we're really going to miss this. So we thought, well, we could we could pull them into the conversation and maybe we'll try some technology things. So we're just really going with the flow. And again, like you said, focusing on the connection. Um, Rick, are you still with us? Yes, I am. I'm listening. Yep. Can you tell us, you know, you'd have told us kind of what it's like for the Memory Cafe and and what they're all about. Can you do a better description than what I did of what your um, memory people on Facebook has to offer people in terms of a support group and, and how how people find you and, you know, how are they welcomed in and, and you know, how do they... How do they blossom? What have you seen in terms of your group? And and also, if we've got listeners that have comments, we would love to get your questions or comments um, either live on the phone by calling in at 714-364-4757, or you can just put them in the chat box. But I'm going to throw it back to Rick to just kind of describe, you know, what memory people is like, what kind of experience do people have there? Well, Lori, Memory People was born uh, the day after Thanksgiving last year, 2010. I'd been to a, a couple social networking sites on the web, and, and I posted a couple questions about Alzheimer's, and it was several hours, if not a day, before I got an answer. And with a short-term memory, that's just not acceptable. So I sat down the computer, and I started a, started a site called Memory People on uh, Facebook. And I knew there would be struggles with this because it is a Facebook site, but like you said, like I tell everyone, it is a closed site. You have to uh, 
you have to join, and uh, everything that's posted there cannot be seen only by its members. In other words, if you're a member of memory people, you will see it on your computer, but your mom won't or your sister won't or whatever unless they are indeed a member. And what we do there, we welcome everybody with sort of a little saying, uh, uh, we, we share stories, both good and bad, but most of all, we offer support, and that's what we're about. We're a support group. We're, we're not a group that deals in, um, like, looking for cures or, or the, the latest drug coming out or coconut oils or nothing like that. We don't even allow that on the site, these, uh, these things that people claim that might, might help. So uh, we're, we're all about supporting one another, be it a caregiver, a patient, family member or an advocate it's very important that we all talk together and and we're all on the same page about this disease because that's how we learn and that's how we grow Um, like I said it started out with me and a lot of people said well thank you Rick for starting this site and 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 I appreciate all of that but but it truly is indeed about the members that are there we have uh, over 1400 members now from all over the world, we have them in the United Kingdom and Australia and England and uh, South America and Brazil and, of course, United States. And it has turned out to be something more than I ever envisioned. But like I said, memory people is more than just one person or any group of people. It's, it's, a, it's a place that you can go. It's safe. It's secure. Uh, we have people there that just literally pour their hearts out and uh, to one another. and and. It, it's it's a family environment. When I say that, um, it, it's like when one hurts, we all hurt. You know, we've lost several members to this terrible disease, and it truly is like losing a family member. I mean, we all grieve. I had the opportunity about two months ago to attend a uh, funeral service of one of our members' husbands that was here uh, locally, about 40 miles away, and uh, I'm uh, it was, it was very important for me to be there, and, and I wish that I could do more of that when these terrible things happen, but it's just not logis- logistically possible. But what we do is uh, we take care of one another. That's the thing. Like I said, if one's having a bad day, we, 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 all, uh, we all jump in there and we, and we try to offer support and suggestions. You know, Nobody is an expert, and nobody claims to be an expert on memory people, but... Uh, as in my case, I am a patient, and, and no one will ever tell me that, that a neurologist or any doctor knows more about Alzheimer's than I do because I live it. I mean, I may not have all the clinical answers and things like that, but uh, I know exactly what Alzheimer's is because I live it every day, 24-7, as the other patients do. Uh, we see a lot of uh, things on memory, people that, that people deal with, and it, it just gets worse, and that's that's what the problem is. This is a progressive disease and your good days are probably behind you and uh, it's, it's, it's just going to get worse and, and, and if, you do, if you haven't come to grips with that then, then you really need to. Um, I've got some family members that are still in denial with me having this disease and, and it's just their loss because you know for every day they deny this disease it's one more day and when I'm not here they're going to say wow I wish I would have paid more attention to this it amazes me that people say, well, Rick, I didn't know he was doing this, or I didn't, you know, me and Gary LeBlanc's writing a book, uh, me and Dan Mitchell, uh, he's fame and fortune from Alabama, he's a singer, songwriter, producer in Nashville, Tennessee, 
we collaborated together and wrote a song called While I Still Can. And I have a video series now that we're getting ready to uh, unleash here directly. It's What we're doing is we're targeting Alzheimer units and nursing facilities, and we're going to combine my uh, video series to uh, 12 videos per month. And you'll get, uh, of course, 12 of them you know, every month for a year. And we kept the price extremely low so everybody can afford this. Uh, it, it's not for individuals. It's for teaching purposes because I've had, well, you know, so many reviews about these videos that I do. I do them on my good days and my bad days, and it actually shows an Alzheimer patient. It shows, you know, my stammering, stuttering around, things like that, and, and that's what needs to be seen. People need to see that. As hard as it is for me to do these at times, I continue to do them, and I'm going to continue to do them. But one of the one of the main things I want to mention, Lori, if I could real quick, uh, I have a I have a thing coming up that I haven't even told you about. It's mm-hmm. going to happen in May of next year. I've got uh, I've contacted Harley Davidson, and looks like they're going to jump on board with it. I'm going to do a uh, what I call a poker run for one. I'm going to start on the east coast of the United States, the Atlantic Ocean, and I'm going to ride to San Diego. I'm going to put the front tire. I'm going to have the rear tire in the Atlantic Ocean. I'm going to put the front tire in the Pacific Ocean. We're going to have many stops on the way at Harley-Davidson uh, um, dealerships and, and have raffles and things like that. And all the money that we raise, of course, is going to go for awareness. So I'm really looking forward to that. Phyllis June, <laughs> she's not she's not too, too hipped up on the idea, but she's going to be my chase car, her and a couple, three friends of ours. And uh, we're going to do this. It's going to take several days to get it done, but uh, we're going to do it. And I'm hoping to raise tens of thousands of dollars for the Alzheimer's Association and not only that, but to bring awareness to this disease. Oh, very cool. That sounds very exciting. I know you had talked about contacting them a while back, and it didn't work, so I, I'm glad that uh, it's it's looking like it's going to fly. That's that's very cool. Um, I'd like to kind of pull us back to um, the support groups, and I appreciate both of you sharing, you know, what um, what your groups have to offer. I was just... I'm kind of scoping on the the internet here, and a, a Google thing came up, and it looks like in um, Albany, New York, the Alzheimer's Association has started a group that has uh, it's a caregiver support group. So you can actually bring your person who's diagnosed, and they must go in, in one space, and then the caregivers go in another another space. I guess for our memory cafe, you know, we. We pretty much do everything together. How about you, um, Yuta, with, with your group? How does it work um, as far as the connection? Is it just for people with memory loss? Is it for uh, those with um, their caregivers? Do you guys split up? Do you work together? Um, can you tell us a little well, about several, that? For several years, for several years, I actually ran, it was basically for caregivers. And then I got a call from a person who said, I have Alzheimer's and I'm wondering if I can come to your group. And I hadn't thought about it, actually, at that point. And I told her, I said, you know, there are times when our conversations may be pretty intense and might be uncomfortable for you, but if you're willing to put up with that or if you're willing to, like, leave if you need to at those times, Mm -hmm. absolutely, I'm not going to exclude you. And as it turned out, she has been wonderful, just like you said, Rick, about sharing what's going on with you to help caregivers understand what they're dealing with. And so she's been an enormous help. Uh, I, 
I wouldn't have changed it if I could have. Uh, in Santa Fe, we actually we have an, a, an amazing support system here. We have, I think, we're up to seven support groups now, um, mm-hmm. and some of them are strictly for caregivers. Uh, focused, uh, actually, we had one that started out as being focused on spouses, and they decided to open it up to all caregivers. Uh, and we have some for for people living with a disease only. Okay. And. Okay. Uh, and I, I like that. I uh, I know that the uh, the format that you were talking about was separating people is is pretty common. And mm-hmm. I know from my friends wh- who do have Alzheimer's that they're not very comfortable with that. <laughs> they wanted to be in the group and hear what was being said. Yeah, so they I, felt I very guess. uncomfortable when their when their caregivers and spouses were you know, in that other room, and you have to assume, of course, they're talking about them, right? So yeah. we've only done that a couple of times. So what, what I do what is I, have... I, I, I give, I, in, in place of that, I actually give workshops for caregivers, okay. separate yeah. from the support group. Okay. What I, what I have found is that um, what people seem to really like about, you know, our group, again, it's very informal, but it's about rebuilding that relation, that normal relationship again. It, we laugh so much. I mean, we are just always cracking up. And we just really have fun. And so the goal for me with the group is really to make it where it's like a, a you know, a a bowling team or a bridge club where people want to come. And it's not because most people don't go bowl because of bowling. They go because of all the chit-chat and the conversation and the camaraderie. Um, Same with the bridge club. You know, it's not always focused on just the cards. It's focused on the relationships. And that's really um, what I, I feel for me personally, when when I was caregiving with my mom when she was in earlier stages, I would have loved to have been able to brought her to something like that because what I saw was that she was shutting down because she was afraid to make a mistake. And, you know, we have built this safe environment where no explanations are needed. We all get it. And it's just comfortable. And we accept one another for, for who each of us are at the moment, in the moment, because it's constantly changing. But we, we really, um, we just laugh. <laughs> you know, it's a, it's uh, a we very, do too. <laughs> it's, it's very fun and it's and it's very easy. It's just kind of a natural state. And I think, to me, that's one of the things that that people forget to do is laugh. You know, and it looks like we've got a caller on the line here. So let me pull them in. We've got somebody from an 847 number. Who do I have on the line from an 847 number? Hi, my name is Pam, and I'm in the Chicagoland area. Oh, hi. How are you doing? Thanks so much for calling in. Do you have a question or a comment? I have a comment. I just, I'm one of the memory people, people, and I just wanted to bust in here and just make a comment on what they mean to me. Okay. Um, I have noticed um, that you kind of, your friends and family kind of become few and far between when you're going through this. Um, mm-hmm. I, it's like if, if they don't know, then it doesn't hurt them. Um, yep. So I reached out and, and found memory people, and they are my family. 
they I talk to somebody there several times a day in the night when I can't sleep. Um, I I get suggestions from people that um, might have gone through the same problem I'm going through, and something's not working for me. And you can go on there and ask, what would you do? What did you do if this happened? And you get all kinds of suggestions on things that work for other people that you may not think about. Um, and just, it's unconditional love and support. Laugh, cry together. Oh. Um, right now, I, I it's my life. You know, I've only been there about three weeks, but I feel like I know people personally. Um, mm-hmm. If nobody has anything positive or negative to say, they'll just give you a hug. Um, uh-huh. So to me, it's just been a very positive change in my life. From feeling lonely oh. to feeling loved and understood, if I'm making any sense. <laughs> oh, no, I'm so me, glad you called in because I, I yeah. think that that is, um, I think that's what's missing is we, we feel, you know, a lot of times as caregivers, we we feel like we, even though we have this great purpose of caring for another person, we get overwhelmed and we kind of lose ourselves. And for the person who has the disease, you know, it can be so disconnecting because so many people just kind of walk out of your life um, or they yes, choose they not do. to connect yeah. with you like they used to. And I I guess I've seen the same thing with memory people where people, they just embrace. Um, they right. they want to connect. Um, they want to support um, you in any fashion they can. And so, And it's so nice, like you said, when you can't sleep in the middle of the night, you you know you can get up and talk to somebody, and then you right know, and go back to sleep. They say and that and when you've met one Alzheimer patient, you've met one Alzheimer patient. No exactly. worth saying. And it's like exactly. not a cookie cutter disease. It's it's it hits every walk of life, every financial person. It it doesn't discriminate. And for me, mm-hmm. and the support that I get from memory people, is unfortunately for me, my husband has lost his ability to communicate. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's it's better, way better than talking to yourself. You know, it, yep. there's somebody there all the time. And, you know, I, I do, I can't have the gift again. I'm shy until I get to meet somebody. But, you know, I don't have to be shy with these people. I can tell them what it, what it is. They're not looking at my face. I do it in my pajamas, <laughs> you know. It's just, uh, you know, just I can't say more anything more positive about it, but it's just changed my life. And Rick is yep. awesome. He's got such yep. a positive but attitude. That, that I, uh, just... I, I certainly appreciate you calling in. I know, uh, like you said, you're one of the newer members, but it doesn't go by that. It doesn't matter if you've been there one day or you've been there all year. We all do the same thing, and you know that. You, she, Pam participates and she posts things and she asks questions and and she gives advice and suggestions and and, and that's what it's all about pam pam gets it there's a lot of people i'm not going to say on memory people there's a lot of people who think they get this disease and they just don't until you've walked in their shoes or your caregiver's shoes or an advocate or anything but uh that's what we strive for and and i'm so glad that pam found us and we're always reaching out for new members just because of this. It's not about the numbers. Um, we celebrate when we hit a big number, like we're coming up on 1,500, but it's not that we have 
1,500 patients, caregivers, or whatever. It's just that we've found 1,500 people that we have changed their lives, and that's what it's all about. You know, we're changing lives one person at a time, and, and I truly mean that. Well, and I think one of the nice things with with uh, if it's an Alzheimer's cafe, if it's memory people on Facebook um, or, you know, Dementia Aware with Norms or um, the memory cafes, it, it's really about about joining together and realizing you're not alone. Because I think to me one of the worst things in the world is when you feel isolated and that nobody understands what it is you're going through and um, and there's no empathy or compassion. It's just like, well, get over it or move on or, well, that's too bad, and, and they walk away. And so when you feel lifted and cradled when you're down, I mean, the power in that is absolutely incredible. And it's not, you know, it's not just directed one way. And I think that's one of the blessings, you know, that I think these types of support groups is here to teach us um, over and over and just get the word out. When you give, you get so much more back. Amen. And, and so it, I think it it just energizes all of us if we're if we're the person who has the disease or if we're the person giving care we all need you know our our source energy um recharged all the time and i think to me when i get on memory people or when i go to you know the cafe everybody is just recharging and you can you can feel it you can see it you can hear it um, and it's it's pretty incredible experience. And so as scary as it might be to step out and try a new group, you know, I really encourage people to look up, you know, the memory, um, the, um, memory people on Facebook. And a lot of people will join and they'll just kind of sit in the weeds and they'll watch the conversations and they'll and then all of a sudden in a couple of weeks they'll say, you know, I'm kind of new, I've been here and, kind of partaking but I, I don't speak up because they're timid and that's that's okay there's no right or wrong way and with the alzheimer's um, cafes you know search them out find them um, unit would be glad to take a call you know myself with the memory cafes you know we're talking about trying to pull together a directory on j arthur's um, memory cafe you know i've got a couple of them in there but we need to get more so Yuda, if you can get me the list of people that you have um in the locations i will definitely add that to the site and i am you know updating my alzheimer's speaks resource website and that i'm going to i've dedicated the whole section there for memory cafes and alzheimer's cafes and and just support groups. I don't care what the name is, it's the concept. It's the it's the place to help. Now, um Pamela, thank you so much for calling in. It looks like we've got another oh we've got several callers here. So let me All just right. um, thanks for having me. And okay, have a wonderful you. day. Thank you. Bye bye. You too. Now I have a caller from a three two one number and who might that be? A three two one number? You're it's live me. on the air. It's me, Lori. I'm one of the uh-huh. members of the, of the memory people. I'm Lord Churchill. And I okay. took care of my I took care of my mother for over thirty years. Oh, 
neighborhood. Elchheimer came in the last seven years, and I was mm-hmm. she. I took care of her in my home, all by myself. I, I had some help that some age came in once in a while to help me, but I was all by myself. I had no one to talk to. I had nowhere to turn when I had my ups and downs until I find the memory people who understood what I went through. And I can talk to other caregivers who bring in my shoes. And oh, I'm very wonderful. grateful. And I'm well, good. Very so, grateful you, so you don't them. feel so you don't feel so isolated anymore then. So no. that's wonderful. Well, thank you for calling in and sharing that with us. I'm going to go on to the to the next caller here. Then thank you so much okay. for calling though. We have okay, another bye-bye. caller from a two five three number. And who's on the line from a 253 number? Hi, Lori. It's Leanne from Bonnie Lake, Washington. Oh, hi, Leanne. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Not too bad. Do you have a question or comment for somebody here? Oh, I just had a comment. I'm also a member of Memory People, and um, I've been there um, coming up on a year. I joined in January of this year. The love and support there. Um, I haven't found anything. You know else what? I'm like gonna it. I'm gonna interrupt and have you back up because I um I accidentally muted you for a second. Oh, okay. <laughs> can, you start, can you start over? I'm getting click happy here with my studio, so I apologize. <laughs> oh no problem. <laughs> um, well, I, what I had said was I I am uh, also a member at Memory People and. Um, I'm also Rick's personal assistant and help him with a lot of things there. Um, a lot of the projects that he's working on and everything, kind of been working together with he and Phyllis June. And But I, I wanted to say that um, it's it's a blessing every day to be a part of Memory People. Uh, my mother-in-law has Alzheimer's, and um, I've, I've been given just as much support as I've ever given anyone there, and it's... Um, it's a real joy. It's a it's a great support place to be in. Well, and you do just such a fantastic job. Um, I don't know how you keep on top of, you know, everything that goes on because the conversations in this, I mean, you, one of the things when you join Memory People, you have to make sure that you don't get an email for every, <laughs> every post or it will just blow up your system because there's so much chatting going on, which is a, right. which, which is a wonderful thing. Um, yes. But you know you can uh, you can post a comment or you can chat live. You can um, you know uh, share if you've got writings or video or you know they, you guys have a joke spot. I mean, there's just so much stuff going on all the time, and you're yes. open to trying new things, which I think is you know listening to what are the needs of people. I think that that's absolutely fantastic. So. I exactly. appreciate you very much for calling in and, and, and sharing your thoughts and stuff. Um, well, yeah, I just I just wanted to say, just like Laura had said, um, and I just love hearing her on the phone. It's so neat to be able to hear her after talking with her so much on Memory People. But um, it is like a community, and it's um, it's a lot more than a website for people that have been that have walked her journey where they were alone and they had no help and they had no one. And um, I I really have 
come to believe, and I did early on, that Memory People is a lot more than just a support website. We've uh, become a family for a lot of people, for me and my husband and for a lot of people there. So it's it's a really great place, and, and I'm really thrilled to be able to call in on your show and just to see all that you're doing too, Lori. It's just it's just wonderful. So and it's it's very fun. It's it's fun to be connected and to feel it like is. you're making a difference. And I and I think that's what all these groups do is, you know, even if someone is memory impaired, they can still make a difference in somebody else's life by sharing their experience. Um, it is and, and connecting. You know, uh, us caregivers don't have all the answers. I mean, and my God, if we, the day we think we do, we're in trouble. <laughs> well, if we did, why would we have been looking for support online? <laughs> I mean, you know, yeah. we all need the support. And to have the patients and caregivers support each other is is just unreal. It's it's wonderful. So, yeah, yeah, it's great. So well, it's great. all of us together. I mean, you, everything you're doing and what Rick's doing, all of these sites and all of us networking and, and working together to bring awareness, to support each other, it's going to make a difference. It's going to change it. So, Yep. Well, thanks for calling in, Leanne. I have to, I have to share both. a funny story about uh, um, a conversation that, that Yuda and I had um, initially because we kind of got into this debate on what a cafe should be called or what a support group should be called, an Alzheimer's cafe or a memory cafe, and I know for myself, at first it was, you know, I was kind of set back by the whole thing. And then we got to chatting. We got past the name. And we have so much in common and so much, I mean, it's just amazing. And it's, you know, the name isn't as important as, you know, as the source itself and where right. and where it's coming from, you know. And so, you know, I'm just so privilege to have have met you and um, for you to have challenged you know the memory cafe or the alzheimer's cafe in our initial conversation because it made me really realize that it's not a matter of the name it's a matter of awareness um but again we we have and we have to come together because being different is okay but we you know instead of pointing out sometimes the differences, I think we have to point out the similarities as well and not be fearful of one another or, you know, people perceive things as, as competition. And, and it's not about right. that. It's, right. It rises above. The, the awareness rises above any of that, any day that we Yeah. yeah absolutely. Ex- exactly. So it's, yeah. it's very, very exciting times. I, I, um, I just um, think that there's so much. I'm really looking forward to 2012 because I think that there are so many cool things that are going to be um, happening. I think we're just kind of on a, I feel like we're on a verge of a of a shift, and I feel like there's yes. really beginning to be this kind of grassroots effort that's taking hold. And, you know, we're seeing it in the numbers that, that Rick has. We're seeing it in the numbers that... Norms has that Dr. Richard Taylor has, and these are people that have the disease and the force right. that their voice is being heard, and it's going to take people, you know, to go ahead and implement what it is the needs truly are. Listening to those with the disease and listening to those in the trenches, you know, supporting yes. the disease. 
Yes, and it gets right it's a, the heart. It's a baby boomer. Stuff. It's a baby boomer uh, generation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we, I mean, we changed everything along the way, right? Yep. So I agree yep. with you. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the Pioneer Network. Uh, uh, you know, you had mentioned that to me, but I, I still have not joined it, and I, I really do need to get that on my list. I've just been so swamped. But tell people about it because it's very interesting. Uh, well, the, the Pioneer Network, because it all fits together, uh, and Richard, by the way, is a very, you know, is, is has been very involved in that, Richard Taylor. Um, mm-hmm. The Pioneer Network is a, is a loose coalition, so you don't really join you know, mm-hmm. you just sort of uh, follow them and uh, and join in when when it's appropriate. But um, they're a, co- a coalition of of the movers and shakers in elder care. Period. Not just Alzheimer's and dementia, but uh, they uh, they include the people who are are making huge strides in changing nursing homes. Uh, mm-hmm. Behind the they're, they're behind the culture change movement in in that whole industry. And uh, and many other things. I mean, it, they're just amazing people. And you're absolutely right um, um, that we are seeing enormous changes. And I I hope for us that we are are moving away from being so stuck on on the medical models for all of this. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot uh, the things that are happening in a positive way in nursing homes is actually also it's on the on the human and the uh, the interactive interaction side, uh, socialization and activities, and away from the medical. Mhm. Yeah, I, I think that the social model has got to be embraced because that's that's the thing that helps us survive on a day to day basis. You know, um, with li- again with living with the disease, not living as the disease, and right, that's, right. That's, there's a, a big, big difference there. Now, um, you know, I'd like to have you talk a little bit about the importance of understanding effective communication. What is that, and how can we learn to do that better? Well, for one thing, uh, I, I urge everybody to go on my website because <laughs> I have tips on there. And it's it's you can just go go to alzheimerscafe.com and it'll cover both, both the okay. Alzheimer's cafes and also uh, the uh, the it's about half and half. The uh, the second half is is specifically about um, effective Alzheimer's caregiving. Communication is everything, as you and I know. Um, and the hard thing for us is to learn to change like little things that are. Uh, so ingrained in us as, as habits, uh, mm-hmm. like dropping dropping phrases like "Do you remember?" You were constantly uh-huh. doing that. I mean, you and I did it earlier. Said, "Do you remember uh, when yep. we talked?" <laughs> you know, yep. and and we just do it automatically. But when you're dealing with somebody who doesn't remember, that can mm-hmm. really be upsetting, and so it can, can immediately push them away. So what you do is you 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 need to learn how to rephrase things. So can you give us some examples of rephrasing? Yeah, like instead of saying, oh, do you remember when we went to that movie last week? Mm -hmm. And, of course, you don't when you have dementia, Uh right? 
Instead yep. of that, you rephrase it and said, you know what, you and I went to this movie last week and blah, blah, blah. And then you start talking about it. You start talking about the theater and whatever. You start sharing it again. And the beauty of this approach is as a person progresses in the disease and the memory gets worse and worse, when you do this, when you do it with real enthusiasm and with love, coming from a place mm-hmm. of love, you're giving it to them all over again, even if they don't remember. Okay. So that you can you can actually you know you can verbalize a wonderful experience that you shared, but it doesn't matter that they remember that you actually experienced it because you're giving it to them all over again. Okay, that makes okay. And other and other little things, other little traps. I mean, it's kind of when I work with people. Uh, in trying to to convey this to them, I said just just pay attention to like the little stuff and how you phrase things and watch watch your mother or whomever you're taking care of and see what the reaction is. If you see that there is a consistent negative reaction to something that you're saying as part of your normal speech, pay attention to your normal speech and change it. Yep. Uh, a, a very another brief example uh, instead of saying it's time for your bath. Mm-hmm. You know, which means that you, the caregiver, are in control and empowered. Uh-huh. And you just disempowered your your care receiver. You okay. can say, you can say instead instead you can say, you know, I I promised I would let you know when I had time to help you with your bath. Now is a good time. Okay. Or something oh, along like those that. lines. You know, and and just stay, stay away from things like do you remember and do you want, even do you want, <laughs> except when you okay. know for sure, like do you want chocolate ice cream, you know, uh-huh. that's a given, or it's cookie. But other than that, because anything that might be abstract can also challenge a person with memory problems. So if, if you're saying do you want, uh, do you do you want lasagna for dinner, but it's only it's only late morning? First, first of all, you're doing two things. You're getting the person very confused about the time of day. And they may not, in that moment, really know what lasagna is. Mm-hmm. Because it's an abstract. Yep. So you just don't do so that. Do you, do you have kind of a, maybe a, a cheat sheet on your blog or website that talks about... Uh, you know, or list out some of these alternative phrases because I think that would be really helpful for people if you had something like that. Yeah, um, I do. That, I do actually. Yeah, and okay. uh, and I have a list of like the basics of of, of effective communication on there. Uh, hold on, let me pull it up. Uh, communication right here. The other thing that people need to be aware of is what I call altered realities. Mm-hmm. And I think some people call it time slips, uh, where because when a, when a, as as the person puts in the disease, they very often reach a point where basically everything is so confusing and so fractured in their brains when it comes to more recent memories, not just short term but recent ones, that they uh-huh. the only memories that are really intact, as far as I can tell. All of this is based on, you know, like basically observation and talking, uh, having people share with me what's going on with them. Uh, so the memories that are intact are early 
early memories like childhood or early youth and when you first really learned a task or something mm-hmm. uh like if you had a career you know if you when you really learned that whatever it was you needed for your career that usually stays intact because they're the, the building blocks and it's amazing how long that stays intact i mean, even after people uh had lost most of their speech those things may still be real in their brains and the thing that we need to know as caregivers and family members, friends, whatever, is that when people go back into one of those memories, because it is the only thing that's intact, they're not remembering the, in the way that we are, but rather reliving it. They're, they're totally there in that moment. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, most of us try to pull people back into our reality, which is now, right? Mm-hmm. Which is which is could be very upsetting because if the person has gone back into being seven years old, for instance, and you, uh, whatever it was, it was usually something that's stressful. Unfortunately, like where's my mom? Mm-hmm. You know, when is my mom coming? And uh, if you tell the person, I've actually heard people do this. Oh, you, you what are you talking about? Your mom? She died t- years ago. You know, you're ninety two years old. What do you think she would be, 127? You know, people don't take it seriously, and they don't realize that when a a person with uh, advanced dementia comes out with these questions, that's completely real Mm -hmm. to her or him. You know, mom is missing. I've been Mm -hmm. abandoned. You know, I'm scared. And we need to understand that that's what's going on, and we can go in there with them by just saying, you know, I'm not sure where she is right now, but I'll find out. And uh, Or you can say, you know, she called and said she's going to be a little late and we're going to eat dinner first. And she says for us to go ahead and eat. And actually, at that point, whenever you do that, though, because what you've done, you you have actually brought them peace in the moment, but you also need to to follow that up immediately with a diversion of some sort. Mm-hmm. So, so that, you know, you, that say, makes you, you know, uh, but but if you don't see if you don't help them uh, help bring peace to them, then you have the agitation and possibly the aggression. Uh huh. And. Okay. Like you said earlier, you know, we are almost always the cause. (laughs) When a person is really agitated or very aggressive, start with your communication and see what's happening between you communication-wise. If if that's not it and you're not able to to, uh, actually get a distraction that that normally is effective and if it doesn't work this time and if it keeps not working – then it may be something physical, and sometimes it could be uh, as simple as a, 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 a hangnail. Mm-hmm. It could be a toothache. It could be, you know, a, a stomach discomfort, um, constipation, whatever. Okay. But there's always, I mean, one rule of thumb is there's always a reason for a person's behavior. 
Yeah, I, I don't know why we think it's different with all I know. <laughs> you know. I mean, I, and, and Laurie, the truth is, I mean, when you look at, when you go to my website, you look at the effect of communication, you know, we would have no divorces if we learned this. <laughs> you know, we would have perfect children. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I mean, the, the truth is, it's just, it's common sense. Except for maybe the alternate realities. I mean, we need we need to understand how these diseases work, of course, you know. But the communication basics are should be basics for anybody for good communication. Mm-hmm. Very much. Uh, so. You want to avoid baby talk, you know. You want to avoid the you know the cooey cooey. Uh, so I always think of the nurse, you know, comes in and asks you, "Have we had a bowel movement yet?" You know that kind of thing, or <laughs> isn't. Uh, and you know, like things that really disturb me. I work a lot with facilities, by the way, and and do staff training and such. Uh, one of the things that really disturbs me is when uh, a staff member or anybody will write in the in practically in front of a person with this disease will say, "Oh, isn't she sweet? Or isn't she cute?" Mm-hmm. I mean, I want to slap them. I said, do you want to, mm-hmm. you know, you want somebody to say that about you in that tone of voice? Yeah. Yeah. You know, think. Condescending. think. Yeah, very yeah. condescending. So, yeah, so if you go on my website, alzheimerscafe.com, or you can reach it in two ways. The other one is alzheimersa2z.com, uh, all spelled out. Uh you you'll get all this information and also speaking of Facebook page by the way I just I just joined memory <laughs> the memory people I want you to know oh good and I saw some of my friends there um, I have two Facebooks I have okay. uh, the Alzheimer's Cafe or just Alzheimer's Cafe and and also Alzheimer's A to Z okay so I well, invite any everybody to join that as well because the okay. more we Stick together and help each other, the better. Yeah. Now, one thing, I'm on your site, and I went to, I clicked on communications, and it brought me to um, some of your, your links here, but they're not all working, mm-hmm. so you might want to just double-check them. Oh, the one okay. for re- Respect Altered Realities works, but the other one's not moving, and I don't know, maybe it's me at my end. I, I'm kind of a twit when it comes to, to computers <laughs> and stuff, but... Things don't always I will definitely. They'll be working by the end of the day. Okay, wonderful. Because okay. I, and I would also, I would love you to do um, a guest blog if you're interested on, you know, some of those alternate, you know, rephrasing um, comments. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And I'm, yeah. what I probably do is just reprint some of the stuff I've, I have uh, printed elsewhere. You know, which is, yeah, that mm-hmm. needs to be shared. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. It's. All about working together. Now, I know one of the things that was is really important to you is getting people to focus on the ability to have fun and enjoy each other's company, and um, and I think that must be what you um, develop in your in your Alzheimer's Cafe is just where people can let down the guards and be who they are and um, feel what they need to feel and say and do you know what it is they need to do. Um, right. and, and try to engage in a, in a positive in a positive light. And again, for me with the, the Memory Cafe here in Minnesota, it's just uh, and people just like to be to belong to belong mm-hmm. to a group. And, and and when I talk to so many people, they 
they feel outed from so many previous connections that used to be very strong. And um, so it's really, it's kind of an awakening, and they they just kind of almost get giddy um, with excitement, and that's just contagious. I mean, that's just absolutely contagious and, and fun. So um, if any listeners are interested in learning more about the Alzheimer's Cafe, um, feel free to, to get a hold of Yuta, or you can um, contact myself regarding the, the Memory Cafe. Concepts are, are similar but different. Um, you know, or maybe it's just a, a researching things out there and coming up with, with something totally different. There's Again, there's no right or wrong. There's no magic bullet with this. It's all about engaging and listening to people's wants and needs um, in terms of, of what's going to work. And I think the other thing that we have to really be conscious of is not worrying about failing because we can't succeed without failure. That's just kind of part of the process. And so it's more important to try something and see how it works than getting all wrapped up with is it going to succeed or is it going to fail or what are others going to think. You know, you really have to align with what you feel is right and try it. Go for it. If nothing else, if it doesn't work, you know, like, like Alan said, he, did, he never looked at any of his clients as a failure. Um, he just wasn't going to go there because it was all part of the process. And I think that's what um, the disease is really here to, uh, to teach us. Um, do you have any closing comments that you would like to add or... Uh, speaking of, of uh, what the disease teaches us, I hope that we all will allow ourselves to really get involved with our care receivers and lend ourselves to what they can give us. I have, mm-hmm. I have, I have changed. I mean, this working with this disease has changed me, uh, and it's because of the people. I, I have learned so much about human con- communication and mostly silent communication and just pure being in the moment and loving one another and just lend yourself to the situation and learn from it. And you're right, there are no failures. I mean, you you could not have growth without failing because they're trials. The trials and errors, they're not failing. It's a difference, you know. Big, big difference. How about you, Rick? Any comments you would like to make? You had a lot of supporters on the line today, which was fun to see. That was fun. I wanted to thank your guest, Jayette. I hope I'm pronouncing that right for uh, all her <laughs> comments. She's uh, opened my eyes a lot. She has a lot of good thoughts, and uh, and I, too, joined her site there, and I'm, I'm urging all memory people to do the same. I tell that to Norms and, and Richard Taylor and the rest of the people that have these sites. Uh, there's enough of this disease to go around. And, and of course, your site also, Lori, you know that. It's, it, there's enough of this disease to go around. It's not just one site. It's It, it, it takes a village. So uh, we don't have the have the lock on this on this disease with memory people, but but we, we do the best we can, and uh, everyone, everyone needs to, to bring awareness, and, and I think that's what we're doing. And uh, Laura, I thank you for what you've been doing. You know, we've we've been friends for a long time now, and and 
we talk about you all the time, and, and uh, I want you to give me a call here in the next couple of days. i got a couple of things to go over with you. So have a good day, okay. both of you, and once again, thanks for allowing me to be on today. Yeah, well, thank you both for being on the show. I'm just going to go ahead and do a wrap-up, but if there are people on the line or in the chat box that have a question or comment, please go ahead and throw them um, my way, and I will check that before I before we sign out here. Uh, again, I just want to thank Yuta uh, Ludwig and Rick Phelps um, and Alan Arnett for being part of the show and sharing their stories and giving us updates as to what's going on in their world. Um, each is just a fabulous player and what I call steroid on advocates for Alzheimer's disease and, and dementia and doing some really neat things. So again, check out uh, the websites and get yourself connected. If it, you know, if you don't need it today, if you're just listening to get educated, that's fine. But chances are you will be touched by dementia in some shape or form. If it's not yourself personally, a loved one, a coworker, or a friend, that's just the numbers game, guys. Um, and that's not to scare you, but it's it's better to know about these connections and to get educated. And um, so again, really really encourage you to join us, help spread the word, um, like us, tweet us. It's not about um, an ego thing in terms of Alzheimer's Speaks Radio. It's about helping people get connected and spreading information in a simple way. Um, this isn't about me. It's not about Rick. It's not about Yuda. It's about all of us joining forces together and making a difference. If you are a listener and you think you might be a great guest on the show, please reach out to me. You can contact me at Lori, L-O-R-I, at alzheimerspeaks.com. That's Lori, L-O-R-I, at alzheimers, A-L-Z-H-E-I-M-E-R-S, and then speaks, S-P-E-A-K-S, dot com. And um, I would love to talk to you. You might be memory impaired or a personal or professional caregiver, or maybe you're somebody with a great idea and want to get some feedback and, and chat about it. We have several upcoming shows scheduled. Um, next week, um, I'm very excited, on the 13th, Mark Wortman, the Executive Director of Alzheimer's Disease International, will be on the show. And we're going to talk about their global vision and what's going on there. On the 20th, um, I have author Michael Kathemeyer, um, and he's going to talk about his work um, and his book, Walking in Their Shoes. And he's just loaded with great information about different types of therapies. And then on the 27th, Donna Newman-Bluestein will be on, and she's going to talk about dance movement for people with dementia. And then moving into January, um, Craig P um, Patel, who's an MD, is going to talk about medical concierge services. Um, so house calls are back, and we will learn more about that. And then we also have... Carrie Lusick scheduled in February. She's also an author, um, and she wrote a book called A Baker's Dozen, Life Lessons um, from a Baker's Dozen. And uh, they had a large family with a mother with Alzheimer's disease. And I'm talking with several other um, 
people on the show. So, you know, we're we're not going away anytime soon, that's for sure. We're kind of gaining momentum here and it's just a it's a privilege and honor to be able to host this show. So I hope you can join us again in the future. Um, feel free to, you know, peruse the archives. There's uh, lots of great information from various shows. And as always, I want you to um, focus on the three simple things that your memory chip teaches us when we're dealing with a person with dementia. Are they safe? Are they happy? And are they pain-free? You can get your free memory chip, plus lots of good information on the resource website, alzheimerspeaks.com. And again, thank you all for listening, and we will talk to you next week. Bye now. Hey everybody, Jared Sebesti, your host of Retire Repurposed. This podcast is dedicated to help people transition into fulfilling and purposeful retirements. Retirement is a big life change. In fact, the two most dangerous years of a person's life are the year they were born and the year they retire. Few people could just flip the switch from working a career 30 or 40 plus years retiring on Friday without methodical steps to living what we call a repurposed retirement. To listen now, search Retire Repurposed on your favorite podcast platform, Senior Resource, or Life Audio.